eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Mets also signed Jorge Lopez to a one-year deal. Jorge Lopez, for most of his major league career, bouncing around the major leagues the last couple of years, obviously with the Orioles, recently with the Minnesota Twins, really has a half of a season of great success coming out of the bullpen. A lot of times with relievers, there are kind of up and down resumes. Couple of good years, couple of bad years. Relievers are very, very difficult to kind of pin down unless you're a top-notch closer. There are very few setup guys throughout Major League Baseball who are reliable. Jorge Lopez, who is now 31 years old. He's 30 now. He'll be 31 on opening day. So for the sake of this discussion, he's 31 years old. When he was converted into a reliever, back in 2021, because he was a failed starting pitcher, which is kind of traditional in terms of bullpen arms. Nowadays, you have some guys that are actually drafted as relievers. They're made relievers in the minor leagues. Jorge Lopez follows that traditional trend of he was a starter. He was with the Brewers. He was with the Royals. He was with the Orioles. He was a starting pitcher. He was not good. The Orioles move him to the bullpen. And in the first half of 2022, was one of the better relievers in all of baseball. He was a little bit lucky when you look at his FIP compared to his ERA. But overall, he had a really good year. In fact, he was an all-star that year for the Orioles. They traded him at the deadline to Minnesota where he was very mediocre. And then last year, he was actually on three different teams. He was with Minnesota. He was with Miami. He was with Baltimore. And he was not good anywhere he was. Heavily relies on a sinker and a curveball. But he's got a major league deal. My understanding is he's got a major league deal. And so what that means right now When you're looking at the Met bullpen, and let's figure there are eight guys in the pen, you have yourself, to me, two mortal locks in Edwin Diaz and Brooks Raley. But you have other guys. In fact, you have a lot of other guys that are either designated for assignment, so you're not storing them in AAA, you're DFAing them, you're trading them, or they're on your roster to start the year. They signed Austin Adams to a split contract, but my understanding is I guess I have to read more about what a split contract actually is, but he's out of options. So Austin Adams is likely to be in this major league bullpen. Drew Smith is out of options. So the Mets decided to tender him a contract, which to me tells me they're either going to trade him 
or he's going to be in this bullpen. They picked up Michael Tonkin. He's out of options. Jorge Lopez is on this roster. And there's a few other guys like Phil Bickford, who's also out of options. So you've already got two, four, six, like eight guys already that I can't say they're locks to be on the roster. They're not. I think the Mets are going to add a more reliable bullpen arm. At least I hope. On Sunday, Andrew Chafin, who's been the apple of our eyes many different times, did not have a great year last year with Arizona and Milwaukee. He went back to Detroit. Not a word from the Mets. Or that we've heard of, obviously. Will Smith, who's the kind of the lucky, he's the lucky, I was going to think of, what's that tail? The lucky tail or something like that? A horse tail? <laughs> Hoff's at Disney World, by the way. I'm sure he would have the answer to it. The rabbit's tail. There it is. Just popped into my head. He's the lucky rabbit's tail, Will Smith, because his teams are always in the World Series. He signed a one-year deal with Kansas City, which means he's going to be traded at the deadline. So they let two other veteran, mediocre, I admit, left-handed relievers come off the market. There's still a lot of relievers available, including the big one, Josh Hader. Not that I think the Mets are going to go after him. But so far, Austin Adams, Jorge Lopez, Michael Tompkin, it does feel like on-the-margin bullpen additions. Uh, Diaz and Raley, I feel good about. The rest of it I would view as a competition in spring training. But they did bring in... Jorge Lopez in a free agent deal. And every time they sign a guy like this, even though it's okay, it's not bad to bring it on the margin, guys. The reaction of some Met fans, including Pete, is like, oh, can you believe it? Jorge Lopez. All right, let me get to some of your emails because there were some good ones. You guys were very funny, creative, and mean in the Rico Bronia mailbag. The Rico B at gmail.com. Larry Cordero called me out on something, and he's spot on. Evan, when you went through all the $100 million contracts the Mets have handed out in the past, you didn't mention Jacob DeGrom. No need to discuss on the podcast, but please tell me why you left him off. Thanks. I am discussing it on the podcast because I need to be held accountable. I forgot that one. And that is crazy considering he's my guy, and I actually put up a Christmas ornament of Jacob DeGrom this year for Christmas, and for whatever reason, that one just, like, flew out of my mind. So good call by you, Larry. And by the way, is there anything wrong with that? Like, there are certain guys who played for the teams I root for who even soon after departing, I could take a step back and say, you know what? Guy was an all-time great player. I can still wear his jersey, and I can still put the ornament on my Christmas tree. I'll give you one. I'll give you a Met example. I don't want to go to these other teams. These are the crappy teams I root for. I'll give you a Met example. Mike Piazza still played a few more years after the Mets decided to move on from him. He went to San Diego. In fact, think about how close the Mets came to playing him in the National League Championship Series in 2006. And I think all Met fans were good still wearing his jersey, still celebrating him. So it's special. It's not for everybody, but I still celebrate him. Maybe that makes me a fanboy, but good call, Larry. That is a $100 million deal that the Mets did hand out, and that was prior to Steve Cohen. Charlie writes, During the end of the season, I heard a lot of chatter about the Mets' potential interest in bringing back David Robertson. I know that talk is mostly boosted from fans, but I can't understand why no teams have really shown an interest in him, especially after the Mets' half a season where he proved he could pitch well for the team. The Mets have been signing all these low-risk relievers lately. Why not run it back with someone who won't cost you as much and has much better potential? Would love your thoughts on why he may be missing in action. A couple of things. I think we're at that point of the offseason where 
there are still a lot of guys waiting, and there are still markets where waiting to kind of unravel. I don't think Otani impacts him, but maybe Josh Hader does. Maybe. I mean, Craig Kimbrell already signed. But I do think that there are some guys in free agency, whether it's their choosing or there's just a lack of interest until later on, where their signings don't occur till January and February. Not everybody's wrapped up before Christmas. So I don't read much into it. The only thing I'd wonder about is that David was so bad in the second half of last year, and we forget this because he was so good for the Mets. David Robertson was a really, really good Met, but he struggled so badly with the Marlins. He lost the closer's role. He wasn't the same guy. Is there something there? Are the Mets concerned about him as well? We'll see. But I'd give it a little bit more time. It's still mid-December. Brian Safchik writes, <laughs> but before I read this guy's email, I showed this email to my wife, and she loved it. This was her favorite email that maybe I've ever received. Brian writes, Evan, I love you, my man, but can you please act like you have a Latino wife and stop saying Luis Angel Acuna's name wrong? It's not Angel like the team that lost Otani. It's pronounced Angel. Luis Angel Acuna, all the love. There's nothing I love more than pronunciation emails because... Of course I want to pronounce the guy's name right. I screw up a lot. It's certainly not done with any malcontent, if you will. So from here on out, much like I think I corrected my pronunciation eventually of Luis Guillorme, I from now on will remind myself that I am married to a Latina, which means Luis Angel Acuna. I feel good now. Then we feel good. <laughs> okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Jimmy Kearney writes, pivot? What if? The word pivot has been mentioned a lot on this podcast recently. What if the Mets don't land Yamamoto? You've covered parts of this question on past pods, but a pivot just isn't enough. So in a broader sense, what does it say that we have the richest owner in baseball, but he can't sell free agents on signing with his team? Losing out on Yamamoto after losing out on Otani now would be a complete nightmare. And I have to ask David Stearns, what does the 25 plan look like without Otani, Yamamoto, or Soto? Or how much of the Mets all-in in 2025 proclamation counted on them getting at least two of those three? Doesn't it feel like we're still a mid-market team with the highest payroll in baseball? Extending Pete now is a must, even if it's the only big splash they make. I believe he and Soto are the top two offensive free agents in 25, and I give the Mets a 5% chance of signing Soto. Letting Pete hit free agency can only turn into a public relations nightmare. Uh, a couple of things I want to answer that. I think there's a difference between losing Yoshinabu Yamamoto when you're the highest bidder versus what we just saw with Shohei Otani. And this is going to be the opposite of, I think, the way a lot of people are going to handle this. Most people are going to scream and yell if the Mets don't get Yamamoto. And I can't promise you I won't scream and yell. But as I sit here rationally, I think I'm bothered more 
by the Mets not even trying on Otani and giving out these lame, well, the agent never called us excuse. Like, that would bother me more than giving it the best effort you can on Yoshinabu and having him say, I'm good, I'd rather play somewhere else for less money. Because I think if you lose somebody and you offer them the most money, and yes, does it lead to a bigger discussion on what's wrong with the Mets? Why are the Yankees or the Dodgers more appealing? And like this self-reflective discussion, sure. And it certainly brings up how do we change having this happen again? Yeah, those are all fair discussions. And I think a lot of the answers are painfully obvious. But are we going to be angry? Because that's my point. Like, if Steve Cohen offers Yamamoto $300 million and the Yankees offer him 250 and he picks the Yankees because whatever, he grew up with a Tanaka poster on his wall, it's going to be tough to, to be pissed at the owner, even if that's what a lot of people are going to try to tell you. I'm more annoyed they gave up on Otani. Like, they tapped out. They didn't even make an effort. I don't want to be here. Okay. And I know it's not the same as CC Sabathia because as great as CC was coming off of 08, there didn't seem to be like this incredible market for him. And so when the Yankees made their shock and all offer to him, they outbid everybody by a mile. But they convinced a guy that had no interest in coming to New York to come to New York. So if the Mets lose out on Yamamoto and they offered him the most money, yes, it's a reflective discussion. Yeah, it's. What do you have to do to change the image of the New York Mets? And that's a worthy discussion we could do a million podcasts on. But am I mad at the owner if he made the biggest offer? And I think they will be. And if they don't, then we can go to town. (laughs) Because as much as I think not landing or attempting to land Otani kind of kills the caricature we created in our minds of Steve Cohen, if they're not the highest bidder, on a guy I think they need more than anybody else, especially with the plan that they have, that's a problem. That's a problem. (sighs) But thank you very much for the email. I'm trying to think. Did he say anything else in there? Oh, yeah. Oh, the 5% chance of signing Juan Soto and, and keeping Pete Alonso. Here's what... I would say about losing Pete and then replacing him with Juan Soto. And it's sort of similar to what I just said about Otani and J.D. Martinez. Nobody's arguing, especially with the age of J.D., that you'd be better off with J.D. Martinez than Shohei Otani. Not even making that argument. But when you look at last season and that lineup, they are taking away great production from Martinez and simply replacing it with a guy who had better production. But again, you're not going from an average Major League Baseball player to Shohei Otani. So when you look at this on a year-by-year basis, just one year, how much did the L.A. Dodgers really improve? They they proved, but not as dramatically as maybe you think. And it's sort of similar if next year the Mets lose Pete Alonso to the Chicago Cubs and they replace him with Juan Soto. Juan Soto's a better player. Nobody's arguing that. But the dream is to have both. Obviously, J.D. and Otani don't work together, but... Juan Soto and Pete Alonso do. And so if the Mets really do put that big boy pants on and they sign Juan Soto as a free agent next year, and now you've got this core of Nimmo, Lindor, Soto, Alonzo, McNeil, that's awesome. 
to simply take Pete away and replace Soto, you get better, but you're not building like this dream lineup that maybe you're envisioning. Steven has some creative ideas, creative uses of Uncle Stevie's money. Remember how creative they were last year? They bought off the contracts of Verlander and Scherzer to get back prospects. It was sort of unheard of. So we've seen creativity before. Steven writes, Evan loved the show. As we've already seen, Cohen and crew use their finances and strategy in strategic ways, namely buying a farm. With the Mets needing pitching, if they miss out on Yamamoto and with free agent pitchers being in short supply, and with the Mets not wanting to trade prospects or guys of value, could you foresee the Mets spending on a guy like Cody Bellinger with the intention of using him as a trade piece for pitching at the deadline? Or at the very least, adding Bellinger so that he gives us the depth to move somebody else for pitching, assuming he performs well. I wouldn't be high on signing Bellinger for Bellinger's sake, but in this scenario, he'd potentially have a higher upside. I'll hang up and listen. I like what you're thinking. I don't think Cody Bellinger is the right example because I think you're going to have to so grossly overpay him and give him a lot of years where I don't know if we're sitting here in July and teams are going to fall all over themselves to trade for that contract. And if your plan is, well, don't worry, we'll just buy it off. Remember, Cohen bought off a year of Max Scherzer, not including last year. If you want to include last year, it's a year and a half of Max Scherzer. He potentially paid off two and a half years of Justin Verlander. We'll see if his vesting option clicks for 2025. That is far different than paying off seven years of a baseball player. I think there are guys that could fit that. I think guys on one-year deals, and they play really well. Like, look at Luis Severino. What if Luis Severino has a great first half and the Mets aren't any good? You could trade him away for big-time prospects. Now, I don't want to think that way because I want to compete. In this world we live in with there being three wildcard teams and the Diamondbacks just went to the World Series, I don't want to be thinking about, well, this guy will play well. We'll trade him for prospects. No. It doesn't take much to be competitive. It doesn't. But it's an interesting idea. I like that. 